Gearcast. This is the podcast dedicated to OCD, anxiety, anxiety spectrum disorders, and getting your life back. I'm your host, Kevin Foss, and I'm a licensed therapist specializing in OCD and anxiety disorders. Thank you all so much for joining me today. This is a question and answer based podcast where you, the listener, get to send me, the therapist, uh, just questions about OCD and anxiety and recovery and how it works and how you can support your friend or your mom or your cousin or your dog or, and, and, or, or all of those people who may have OCD and how you can support that person and how you can overcome your own anxieties. All those things. Anyhow, thank you all for joining me today. If you want to send in a question, go over to fearcastpodcast.com, click on the submit a question link. You can also go over to the Instagrams, I am Fearcast Podcast over there, and uh, send me a message. Now, I've said this before audio questions get precedence. So I do have a bit of a backlog, but uh, I'm going to get to all the questions. Again, I'm going to do this until I stop getting questions or I die. Which one, will, which one will happen first? We'll all find out. But I'm going to keep doing them. So, but audio questions do get precedence because, again, it's so much more interesting to hear your voice than my weird voice, right? So I have a question that came in through Instagram today. They sent it to me on Wednesday. It is Friday. I'm recording that one because she sent it to me via the Instagrams. So there we go. Um, and uh, But again, I will still get to all of your questions in the backlog. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. And thank you all, everybody, for um, letting me be a part of your recovery process. If you've never sent in a question, that's totally fine. Um, it, it means the world to me that people listen and that people find help and hope in this. And um, in fact, I've, I've heard stories of you know family members who don't quite understand what someone's going through. And they send them an episode of the Fearcast, and that has helped, or at least started the conversation. And you know, I want this to be a tool for anyone out there to use, to understand, to challenge themselves, to wrap their head around a little bit more. Um, I understand that this podcast can be inappropriately used as reassurance, but you know what? That's just something I'm going to have to deal with, and um, it's the reality of having a podcast and having a blog or doing anything. Anything can be reassuring if you use it that way. Anyways. Oh, goodness. Well, um, so if, if you guys all say this before I jump into things, if y'all like the podcast, if it has helped, um, give it a review, give it a like, write a little bit of thing about it on whatever platform you're at, iTunes or otherwise. Um, it ultimately just helps other people to, um, uh, other people to hear it or see it. Um, it helps us in the ratings and that's, you get the idea. I've said it before and my, I can't word today. You've ever had those days where you just can't word? Um, Today's one of those days. So good thing I have an audio medium podcast that depends on my being able to word effectively. Oh, goodness. Anyways, we're going to see how that goes. Um, anyways, I hope everybody's doing well. Let's just launch into these first questions. So I have two questions I'm going to try to um, handle today. So the first one comes from Haley, and I'll, I'll play her audio here shortly. The second one comes from Carolyn. She also sent a question to me over at uh, Instagram. But um, again, I know that things will take time to get to questions, but um, uh, feel free to send those in. So without further ado, here is the question from Haley. 
Hi, Kevin. I just listened to your latest podcast on morality, and I'm wondering if maybe you can offer some clarity or some insight on a topic that I haven't really seen discussed very much, and that is partner-focused ROCD and questioning the morality of your partner or another person. I'll try to keep this very brief, but I was with my last partner for almost four years, and I had the whole time what I think is pretty severe ROCD, but I was never formally diagnosed, so I can't say for sure, but one of my biggest themes and biggest issues was that I was constantly questioning his morality and kind of trying to fit him into a box of good or bad person. And that, of course, is very difficult. I thought that the anxiety would subside once we broke up, but it's been almost a year and a half since we split up and I have not gotten any better. It seems that I've kept a memory bank of almost every single bad thing that he's done. And of course, he's not perfect because nobody is. But I find myself losing days and sometimes weeks spiraling down the rabbit hole of questioning whether or not he is a good or bad person or where his actions fall on the scale of morality. And honestly, it's just exhausting. I don't find myself questioning these things with myself and I can have a lot of grace when it comes to my own morality and my own screw ups as a human being, but I can't seem to extend that grace to him. So I guess I'm hoping maybe you can talk a little bit about that. I really appreciate your podcast and everything that you do. It's been so helpful. So thank you so much. All right, Haley, thank you so much for that question. Um, yeah, this is, it's a good question. I, I Man, I, I wish you were here that I, I wish I could ask a ton of follow-up questions. So I'm just going to have to speculate. So go with me on that. So I appreciate that. But, uh, but again, everybody, audio question. Isn't it nice to hear Haley's voice just to know that she's a real person? I think it's delightful. So if you have your questions, send out an audio form. It's great. Instagram is one way to do it. Send me an audio question, you know, record it into your phone. Email it to me at questions at uh, fearcastpodcast.com. Uh, send the link to a shared Google Drive over to me at uh, uh, the submit a question link at fearcastpodcast. You get the idea. All right, Haley. So partner focus. ROCD. So ultimately, at the end of the day, everybody, it's all going to be OCD. We put these subtitles, not subtitles, we put these subtypes uh, out there um, as, a, as a means of helping, uh, helping folks find a category so that they can feel heard and seen. It's really helpful to know that there's a name for the thing that you're struggling with. When you Google OCD, if you look it up in a book, you're just going to find a whole bunch of uh, hand washing, um, a whole bunch of like putting things in order, uh, things like that, right? OCD, as we all know, is a lot uh, more nuanced than that. But we all need to remember it's, it is, quote, it is just OCD. At the end of the day, it's just OCD. It's not meant to disparage anybody. This is ultimately meant to encourage folks that um, – I'll go on a side note, a side tangent – tangent note, that um, sometimes folks will say, you know, oh gosh, I, I had contamination when I was younger, and then it was HOCD or sexual orientation OCD, and then all of a sudden it was this, and oh, I'm, I'm just so broken because I have all these different subtypes now. No, you don't. You still have OCD. It's just OCD. It's the theme has jumped. Now, 
For ROCD, you're calling it partner-focused ROCD. This is the partner-focused aspect of things. This is kind of a newer than uh, addition to ROCD. Previously, it was just ROCD. There was the initial belief out there for ROCD, and it may be still be floating around, that ROCD can only be about oneself and their feelings towards somebody else. Um, I firmly disagree with that because in my experience working with folks with with um, ROCD there is there is there can be a rumination and obsession about the other person and what they're about and whether or not they love you or whether they love you right or if they are the right person for you not just if you're the right person for them so there and there was a talk recent at the most recent uh, conference, uh, which I think is spot on. Um, it, it's it, it extends and it extends ROCD the de- the boundaries of ROCD beyond just oneself, and it, it, it extends it beyond that of just romantic relationships. It extends it to any relationship one can have. Um, ROCD about you know how you feel about your relationship with your dog. Are you two getting along just fine? Is that the dog for you? Do do you love your dog enough? Does your dog love you enough? Right? It can extend out to, and I think this is a fair way to view religious scrupulosity. Is it can be kind of ROCD about your relationship with God, right? Now, Haley, that was unnecessary for you, um, perhaps. Ultimately, just remembering that that what this is 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 OCD. It is an obsession, a, a, a unwanted thought, feeling, image, sensation, or urge, and is feared story your brain's telling you about something that makes you feel a certain way, usually bad. But usually it's anxiety. I still think OCD is an anxiety disorder, even though it's no longer categorized under um, uh, an anxiety disorder in the DSM. But it's making you feel uncomfortable, bad. It has an unwanted feeling state, which then causes you to do, or it, it you are driven to do something to rectify that, rectify that story in your mind, make sure it doesn't happen, make sure it's going to happen in a different way, a better way, or, or ultimately just get rid of that bad feeling and get back to a feeling of confidence, assurance, safety, etc. So, um, with with all that being said, the the main question that I'd want to ask is why does it matter that your boyfriend or your ex boyfriend in this case is a good or a bad person? Because when we looked at the function, when we when we look at the function of the the compulsion, we're always thinking about well, what is it doing for you? What are you trying to accomplish? Um, through that ruminative process, are you are you trying to get at? Uh, are you trying to just make yourself feel better? Right? There's kind of a just right component for some people, right? They need to do an action, think a thought in a certain way, and they to a point where they just feel right. I don't necessarily think that's what's going on here, but it can be that. It can be you know fully understanding either he was good or he was bad or is good or is bad. Um, and you know, whether or not you made the right choice about him, it can be about whether or not, you know, he's good or he's bad cosmically, right? There's just kind of this existential, is he good? Is he bad? Right? So, and, 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 and it can be a thousand other things, but Haley, one thing that I'd love for you to consider further in this, um, I know I'm asking someone who's ruminating to ruminate more. Don't ruminate about it. Just briefly consider. <clears throat> and you can think about this with a therapist. If you're not working with a therapist already, please work with a therapist on this. But there's a, there's something called the downward arrow approach, um, where it's trying to get at like what is what is the problem with this, right? 
So, it, or what is the what is the core fear? I think there can be numerous core fears. Now that can be debated, and that's fine. But um, some people will say it's just a, a central fear. For you, it's okay. You know, it. it I, I'm willing to bet that you know you're not necessarily ruminating about whether or not he's a good person. I think if he was a good person, you'd go okay, good. I mean, maybe it's if he was a good person. I should have stayed with him. It could be that, right? Maybe you made a decision. And then therefore, if you broke up with him and he was a good person and you could have been in a good relationship, well, maybe you missed out on something good. So if that were true, maybe now you're you're going to be missing out on that. And then you're going to have to live with not being with that guy for the rest of your life. Now, that could be something, right? Now, let's say it was, you know, oh, gosh, what if he was a bad person? Let's say he was. Then What? Gosh, maybe if he was bad, then maybe I make bad choices. Maybe I pick I, my picker's broken. Okay, if that were true, then what? Well, if his if my picker's off, gosh, maybe I pick bad people, and I'm you know I it, it, maybe I pick bad people. Okay, what would be so bad if you pick bad people? Well, then I'm destined to pick a bad guy. I pick bad people, and I'm probably going to be stuck with a bad person forever. <sighs> And wouldn't that be awful? So you can see how following through on this downward arrow approach can help you get to what that core fear is. And ultimately, again, what the purpose of that rumination is ultimately about. Now, that's something to work on with a therapist or, you know, if you've kind of done that process, great, because that's, that's going to help decide, you know, how you start to challenge this and what sort of exposures you might you might be needing to do, right? If it's if it's you know if it's that your picker's off, scripting might be a great idea. That you're just going to be you know your life is going to be ruined because you constantly pick bad guys, right? You're never going to be happy. Maybe it's going to be you're never going to be happy again because he's you know he was a good he was a good one, right? You talked about how you know you extend grace, and I think it, ultimately it's going to come down to. Um, you choosing to resist and sidestep this this process of ruminating. You said you can extend grace to yourself for your own screw ups, but not to him. I think within that, it's it's how do you how do you then do that intentionally? One way that we do that is by acknowledging he's a whole person. He's got good and bad parts to him, and then resisting further scrutiny. Now, the resisting further scrutiny is. It, uh, you know, if we could figure out exactly how to stop the rumination, you would have done it, and we we would all be millionaires because we're going to figure out how to do that and patent it, and you get the idea. It's hard to figure out how to sidestep it. One thing to do is to catch yourself in that process and point it out to yourself. You're scrutinizing again. You're ruminating again. Once you acknowledge that that you're doing it, you can say, I don't know, and I may never know. And then let go of the search. Now, in letting go of the search, I think it's important to, to let yourself get reinvested in something else that you care about. Sometimes we ruminate while you're driving. or You might be ruminating while you're at work, or ruminating while you're in class. Okay, And it's distracting you from the thing that you're doing. Gently acknowledge that you're back in that rumination and that you don't need to be there, that you're choosing to extend grace. You're choosing to let him be Schrodinger's ex-boyfriend, right? He's both good and bad, right? He's in that weird place, right? The place that all of us are in. But 
he's going to, you're going to let him be in that place and you're going to instead let him be there. And then whatever that feared, that feared story might be, that may be true because you didn't get to the bottom of it. You let it be true. And then you're going to shift and redirect towards the next thing, whatever it might be. And accepting that feared outcome may become true, may be true about you, about for, for you. So that that would be that would be the main thing that I would suggest in in the course of doing this. I hope this has been helpful. I know it's kind of um, it it feels like I'm missing something. I, I and maybe that's how you're feeling, perhaps. But I think going through that downward arrow approach with yourself, and there are a lot of books out there and exercises that'll help you do downward arrow. Um, just Google it. Do CBT or CBT OCD downward arrow. I bet there's going to be an exercise out there that you can do that will help you to find that. Uh, I know that at least previously, uh, Michael Greenberg had a his his downward arrow approach on his website, and maybe you can download that and kind of follow your way through that. It's kind of based on like you know if if you had the obsession and you chose not to give into the compulsion, um, what is the emotional state or what is the th- truth that you would have to live with? And I might be getting that slightly wrong. But that'll help you to kind of think about what is at stake here in pulling back on the rumination. So, uh, Haley, thank you so much for that question. And, um, uh, you know, let us know how things went, and I'll put that up on a future episode. So, we're going to shift over. I'm looking at time, and I've, you know, I've got a client at the top of the hour, and I think that my light is on, and they're waiting out there. So, we're just going to power this through till the top of the hour. You guys don't know what time it is here, and I'll never tell. But we're going to do it anyway. So um, this is a question from Carolyn. I'll try to read through uh, uh, as much of this as I can. So they say, um, I was wondering if you could discuss any real examples of HOCD ERP you did with your clients. So they go on to say, I started a new job six months ago. My coworker I sit with every day, who's a wonderful friend, is a lesbian. And a, a few months into my job, I had this thought that she reminded me of qualities of my ex, or qual- uh, qualities that my ex-boyfriend had. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, that was enough for me to spiral headfirst into thinking uh, not only was I wrong about my sexuality, but I was 100% a lesbian. And any hope of being with a man in the future was just vanqu- uh, vanished, not vanquished, vanished, uh, because I, had ob- I was uh, obviously incorrect. It got worse and worse over the months, not being able to think about anything else and just uh, just being nervous any time I met a new woman, there was a little nagging voice in my head that I was attracted to them. And when I went home for Christmas, I fully spiraled. I couldn't eat. I had to get an IV, etc. Even though I'm functioning now, she says, thanks, Prozac. Um, Prozac, not Prozacs. Anyways, thanks, Prozac. Um, I'm in therapy, but the ruminating won't stop. Now, first off, I'll say ruminating doesn't make, th- or uh, therapy doesn't make rumination stop. Ruminating is the thing that you stop doing. Anyways, we'll move on to that, as I previously mentioned with Haley. All right. I'm definitely just sad. I've never questioned my sexuality, even th- uh, never thought twice about it, to be honest. I'm a pretty boy-obsessed gal. That being said, sexuality is fluid, as you've mentioned. We can't fully, uh, can't fully be uh, certain of our sexuality. The thoughts bring so much dread, though. Any insight you have, I'd appreciate it. Thank you. Your podcast has been a great help. Um, various other very kind things. Then she says, um, I've also, I'd also be interested to hear your thoughts about dating 
during something like this. Men, in my case. I was dating before the spiral, and, uh, and it did take my mind off this um, while I was out. I'm interested in your thoughts. Carolyn, thank you so much for this question. So first off, Carolyn, continue to date. That's what you want to do. Date. And you said you want to date men. Awesome. Go find a dude. Date that dude. A good dude. Find a good dude. Vet them. You know, the dating thing. Do it. There is 0% or there's zero reason why you should stop dating men, the, the, the gender to whom you are attracted, um, because of this obsession. No reason. I hear this, I hear this a lot. They say, I, I don't want to date until I figure this sexuality thing out. I don't want to date until I figure out my OCD because it's unfair to the other person. I don't want to date someone because it makes me feel like I'm using that other person as an exposure. If All these, I'm going to say this in the nicest way, and it's not the thing that I would say to my client in session. These are BS um, justifications of avoidance. And it's only going to make things worse. I want you to keep dating. Now, people's individual uh, situations may be different. If your therapist, for a very good reason, has specified exactly why they want you to resist and hold off and put a moratorium on dating for a specific reason, do what they said, not the random person talking to you through your car speakers. That's me. Do what they said. They're your therapist. They know you more than I do. Anyways, to the other people, keep dating. And when that thought comes up, oh man, I'm using this person as a CBT exercise. Fine. That I'm using this person. Oh, aren't I a bad person for using this person? I'm using them. Ooh. Right? That, that feeling. I know I'm saying it's very silly. It, it, it feels terrible. Feels terrible. But it, it is not terrible. People go on dates and get into relationships for a lot of reasons. Carolyn, if you want to be in a relationship, go for it. And know that this thought will be there. Now, this is going to be the same. Let's exchange questions about your sexuality with whether or not you were a psychopath that was going to murder and eat, murder them and eat their skin. Or wear it. Either way. Maybe just their eyeballs, like the juice out of their eyeballs. Anyways. You might say, oh my gosh, how terrible would I be? How should I date while having thoughts of murdering them and eating the juice out of their eyeballs? Simple. You go out on a date and you try to be the best, you know, kindest, nicest, most accurate person about who you are with that person on that date. You know, dating, right? I mean, everyone on that first couple dates, it, you know, they're meeting their representative, right? We're not our true self on dating, right? We're the we're our best foot forward sort of person. It's only until like, you know, 20 years into marriage that we're, you know, terrible or like a couple dates in, whatever it is for you. Point is, we still try to be the best people that we can on that date. Carolyn, I want you to continue dating and challenging yourself. And when that thought pops up about your sexuality and, oh my gosh, maybe you're wrong and maybe you just don't know this thing, thing about yourself. Yeah. Maybe one day, maybe, you, maybe you're wrong about your sexuality. Maybe you don't fully know yourself. Maybe you are deep down truly a lesbian and you've been lying to yourself and this dude the whole time. Maybe. But you're going to go on that date anyways. And you're going to sit with that feeling, but you are not going to spend any amount of time ruminating about your sexuality and whether it's right or it's wrong or whether you are, you are or are not X, Y, or Z. 
You just keep going. That's how. That's what I think about dating. All right, to the rest of this. So um, I, I, I'm hearing, the, I mean, a lot of times with HSCD, the core fear is what if I just don't fully know myself, right? What if I'm wrong, right? And it can extend further to, well, what else is wrong? And, and the, one of the realities about being human, about being people, is we, we do kind of discover new interests, new things about ourselves, right? Oh, I didn't know I was really into docudramas. Oh, I didn't really know that I loved, I don't know, eggplant, right? We try these different things, and we, we discover these things. That's a reality of what it means to be us. Sometimes our brain can extend that out to, what if I just discovered or realized that I'm truly just a lesbian and everything about me was wrong, right? That can feel like a threat because, you know, everything about you being wrong. Carolyn, just like my conversation with Haley, I wonder what's terrible about this for you. Why is this so threatening? Is it that, you know, as you said, you're a pretty boy-obsessed gal. I love that you said it that way. I don't know. It's so, uh, it's, it's um, endearing. Anyways, um, you're a boy-obsessed gal. Oh my gosh, what if you're wrong though? And it's that feeling to sit with. So as you're on these dates and as you're noticing that feeling, I wonder if you can make space for that feeling and the uncertainty. That feeling about being wrong, what's that like? Not as a way to get rid of it, but to be curious about the feeling of being wrong or the feeling of, you know, and maybe just be like, it feels like you're in the wrong skin. It feels like you're in the wrong reality. It feels like you're, you're in bizarro world where up is down, left is right sort of thing, right? What is that like? Almost go into that moment as, all right, I'm not going to figure this out. We'll just go, yep, I guess it's right. I wonder if I could go through this world and go through these moments like an alien from a different planet, being this different person, right? As a way of being curious and, and permissive of the feeling of doubt and uncertainty as you move through it. That feeling that you have of uncertainty will always go away. As evidenced by, I mean, you already said, when you're out on a date, you're not thinking about this stuff. It shows up afterwards, right? My money is on because you're focused on the date. You're distracted by something you care about and want to think about. That. Let yourself be distracted by the date. When your brain goes to your sexuality, remind yourself, hey, remember that reality that I have OCD, which is a pattern of unwanted intrusive thoughts, feelings, images, sensations, or urges that make me feel really bad and make me feel anxious, which causes me to give into compulsive behaviors or thought routines or rituals or avoidances to try to undo that? Yeah, I do that thing. This is my thing. All right, maybe I'm wrong. And I'm going to keep on going. So that's what I would encourage you to sit with for now. Of course, there's a bazillion other exercises that you can do. When I'm working with someone with, with HOCD or sexual, sexual orientation OCD, again, everybody, I'm, I'm saying HOCD because she sent this. She sent this to me not two years ago. It was Monday. She sent it to me early, now. We're on the fence, everybody, of using HOCD and sexual orientation uh, OCD. doesn't matter. Well, it doesn't matter. So, point is, is for, for you, um, 
I, I've, I've certainly worked with folks where, you know, we've, we've talked about watching the movie, uh, but I'm a cheerleader, right? That's a, a, a quote, great movie from what I remember 20 years ago uh, about someone, quote, discovering that they were a lesbian. That may be a good exposure for you. I've had people write a ton of scripts about being wrong, about not do, about being uh, true to who it is that they are. Um, a great thing that you can do, uh, you know, honestly, at the core of it, what you should do is continue to be a friend with your lesbian coworker. And by the way, she's a lot more than your lesbian coworker. She is a friend. She is interested in her work. She has friends. She has a, a fuller life than just her sexuality, right? People are more than their sexuality. You are more than your sexuality. But your OCD latches onto it and says, no, sexuality is the only thing about it. She may be a lesbian and a murderer. You don't know that. But if you learned that she was a murderer, how much would you care that she was a lesbian? You'd probably be more concerned about that whole murder thing, right? People are um, diverse in their interests and characters. Some people are interested in murder. I don't know why I'm on murder today. You get the idea. This is the OCD talk, right? It's fun. All right. Be friends with her. And when that thought comes up, let it be there. Don't answer it. Say, maybe I am. Yep, but I'm going to keep talking to her and go on dates later tonight. So, scripting is going to be helpful. Watching those movies is going to be really helpful. Most importantly, catching yourself when you're in the ruminative process and shifting. You said the rumination won't stop. You mean the intrusive thought won't stop? Well, it does stop. Let's be real. It does stop. The rumination is the thing that you do, right? For, uh, as per... Um, uh, Michael Greenberg, it shifts. It goes from something popping into your awareness. So this thought might pop into your awareness. It then shifts into attention. It's something that you give it. We give it attention, right? That's the energy, the the thought, mental energy, the action energy that we give to that thing that popped into our awareness. And then if we keep doing that, it extends into rumination, which is this all-encompassing thought thing where we, where we retreat into ourselves and into rumination, or, uh, into excessive thinking. So, trust the person that you've said you are. Trust the person that you're fighting for. You keep doing this, I'll bet, to ensure or fight for your sexuality. Trust that person or that, that, that answer that you're trying to fight for and act as if that one's true. So you said you're a pretty boy obsessed gal. You want to keep dating men in this case. Great. Trust as if that one's true and then let go of the feared story that maybe you're wrong. All you do, I'm talking to you IBT people, all you do when you ruminate is you, you retreat from reality and you don't trust who you are, who you've known yourself to be. You trust fantasy and you trust what ifs. That is not what we want to hang our hat on. It's not where we find and, and base reality on. We base reality on evidence, on consistency, etc. So... Carolyn, I hope that was helpful. I hope that was helpful to someone else out there who's kind of struggling with this stuff too. It is now the top of the hour, so I should get out of here. So I'm going to slide that, that music in here. Thank you all so much for joining me today for this episode. Um, this has been a fun one. Um, I love getting audio questions. They're so much fun to hear your voice out there. There are real people out there just like you listening to this. And it's, it's, um, it's what I ultimately wanted this podcast to be about is having every question be audio. But uh, I know the element of anonymity is also very important to a lot of people. 
Um, I want to add this at the very end. If you send me a question, you need to include your real name and your fake name. Whatever fake name you want. It can be your real name. I'll share that too. But I will never share your real name with anybody. If you do not share your real name with, with me, I can't answer it. It's a, it is a, uh, a, a liability concern. It is something that uh, I just need to know about just in case something crazy happens. I need to reach out and help. So include your real name. It ain't going nowhere. I'm not telling anybody. But I'll share whatever fake name you want. Carolyn ain't her real name. Haley ain't her real name. You get the idea. All right, everybody. Thank you so much, everybody. Please remember that the Fearcast is not substitute for psychotherapy. If you have questions about um, getting a little bit of help, uh, go over to fearcastpodcast.com and you can click on this, uh, the Find Help link. There's going to be some stuff for you there. Now, um, until next time, everybody, take a risk, challenge yourself, and don't take your brain too seriously. 